Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. You're here because you want to learn about how to live a healthier life, how to live more sustainably, how to take your everyday actions and make them work for you and the planet. Sometimes it might feel like you've got this figured out and other times you probably feel lost. That's why I'm here. Together, we will learn how to live happier, healthier lives without the need to be perfect and always allowing space for a little cluelessness on this journey to living a more conscious life. Today on the podcast, I talk to Maya Kiley. Maya is a licensed psychotherapist and certified ecotherapist. She incorporates the power of nature into sessions as a source of healing. Here we go. This podcast is supported by Who Gives a Crap. Who Gives a Crap is an eco-friendly toilet paper company that donates 50% of its profits to help ensure everyone has access to clean water and a toilet within our lifetime. Who Gives a Crap has donated almost 8 million U.S. dollars to nonprofit organizations who help provide clean water and toilets all over the world. Who Gives a Crap is delivered straight to your door with carbon-neutral delivery. I love that it comes that way. I don't have to think about it. It's an automatic subscription, and I want you to try it. You can check out Who Gives a Crap and get $10 off your first order over $54 with the code CARLY10. That's C-A-R-L-Y-10, or check out the link in the show notes. I like to put people on the spot when they come on the podcast and just say, where are you right now? If it was a spectrum from clueless to conscious, how are you feeling? Yeah, of course, there is so much to know with what's going on in terms of a shift toward Mm -hmm. a culture that is healthier, but I feel pretty conscious and there's pros and cons to that. (laughs) (laughs) Can you say a little bit more about, I think it's tough when you are conscious of some of the pain and struggle that's going on in the real, the level of that. Of course, it's also really nice when you're conscious because you're also aware of all the amazing people and organizations and groups Mm -hmm. that are doing beautiful work. So it's a mixed bag, but I think sometimes when you're really conscious on an emotional level of what's going on, it can be a lot to handle and to know how to manage in a society that sort of tends to numb out. So it's okay. Where do you go to do that? Yeah. So you are an ecotherapist is one of the titles. And I would love to know a little bit more about what came first, right? Was the interest in the environment or the interest in psychology and therapy or what came first there? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I'm a licensed therapist and got my ecotherapy certificate like midway through getting my master's in counseling. Basically, I grew up in a pretty, I guess you could say like ahead of the times hippie family because a lot of ahead of the times or yeah, still back in that time. But basically my mother was very conscious about what was going on. And when I was 12 years old, so I guess my brother was like 15. My parents were like, we're going to do an environmental experiment. Just get rid of our car for a year. And we lived in the suburbs of Boston and they still don't have a car. Like they the never, experiment really never ended for them. The experiment never ended. And wow. so I did grow up with an awareness of climate change, of the importance right. of 
taking action. Like that was always kind of part of my awareness, which is unfortunately not the norm. Totally. And then with that, I also had a real, I didn't have any words for it then, but I had a really spiritual connection with nature. Like, like my first memories, like I felt at totally at one with nature. I remember and animals. And I remember just sitting in like way up in trees for a very long time for a child. Like I was just, I didn't feel like a sense of separation from like birds, Mm. trees, or I remember feeling like the excitement of like wind, like I loved wind and the feeling of like change, but that definitely shifted as I went through the educational system and everything. So But my first experiences before I was, was, yeah, went through like a patriarchal education system before that, I felt a oneness with nature plus the consciousness of climate change. Yeah. So by the time I was in college, I studied environmental studies and then I definitely felt like I wanted to, I didn't want to be like really academic about environmental work. So I had this like desire to just be like very like hands-on. So mm-hmm. I worked with you organic farms and just got to know the like culture of very like nature-based people and like small farmers. Yeah. And that definitely shaped a lot for me. I did a, like a permaculture design course. So that was like in my twenties was very like hands-on. I just want to like grassroots. I want to see what's going on. And yeah, I'm trying to think I did some, a little bit of activism in California. And then I went to school to be a therapist in my late twenties and was really fascinated by the personal transformation and healing journey. But I was really surprised when I was in grad school, I went to a wonderful graduate school, Pacifica Graduate Institute that is more holistic. It's depth psychotherapy. Yeah. So it's really wonderful. And I, but I still felt like I, I wanted more of the the environmental action meeting Mm -hmm. the healing world. And I wasn't seeing that much. And it was so interesting because I would go to these like environmental activist meetings and I won't like name any of the organizations, but it would be like, (laughs) talking over each other and not really, and being really angry, but not really hearing each other. And then, and I would be like, wow, like we really need some just like communication skills here and inclusivity. And then I would go to like graduate school where people are like, so mindful of right. They're talking, but then nobody's talking really about climate change or the impact on their clients So it's been my mission and that's part of why I'm here to just like bridge that conversation and be a therapist that's more active and talking about activism and what's happening ecologically. Yeah. That's really, really beautiful. So basically you saw a need, didn't see it being fulfilled. And so you did it yourself. Yeah. I get, yes. And I, and my, for my own personal desire to bring them together, like it didn't feel right to be in the healing world and not bring in nature in that way. So when people say, okay, ecotherapist therapy for climate crisis, like 
I'm sure you've had people question what that even means or why it exists is my guess. If there's people listening, okay, I get environmentalism, I get therapy. What does that look like together? Totally, totally. Yeah, because yeah, because it's still so niche that right. yeah, people haven't heard of it. So basically, ecotherapy is an umbrella term for any type of nature-based therapy and really bringing in nature as a source for healing. So many people like know about, let's say equine therapy, like therapy with horse horses are very sensitive and sensitive energetically and emotionally. So it's really helpful for people with anxiety or struggles to spend time with horses that in the way they horses respond to them. So that like equine therapy is considered ecotherapy. Got it. So is like wilderness backpacking, which most people think of as like those treatment programs where they take people. Yeah. That would be like ecotherapy. But to me, I just weave it in to regular therapy sessions. And I see ecotherapy as just expanding our coping and support systems. So more traditional psychology has you look at what can I do for like my coping or self-care or who can I go to? And so I see it as expanding instead of just going to other humans for support, which is, but like expanding that, the idea of relationship to you can go to a tree or a place that you love or an animal, and that can have just as much healing power. So that's how I define ecotherapy as including nature as a, as I don't want to say at all, like using nature, more like a resource or collaboration with nature as part of the therapy process. Yeah. I'm just imagining people mean, does that mean you meet outside? Does that mean you like work with nature itself? Does that mean you talk about it? I'm just curious, like what that means for someone seeing you. Yeah. So it means it it can go a few different ways. So with my therapy sessions, sometimes we just bring it in. So for example, even if we're doing an online session, I will just ask, what is it that they really connect with in nature? For example, if someone is feeling really anxious or having panic symptoms, they may want to go to some part of nature that is really grounding and is really calm. So I'll ask them, but usually even people who are fairly like in quotes disconnected from nature, still like everybody has something, even if it's like for some people, it's like a whole landscape. They'll be like the hills of Ojai. (laughs) Yeah. Like a whole landscape that speaks to them. And for some people they're like, Oh, it's this tree right out my back door. I always, so whatever it is, large or small, and I have them, I just give them a nature prescription. So would you be willing to go out and just put your hand against the tree and just see if you could calm your thoughts and just feel how the tree, how the 
the sap production of the tree is like its own breath that's very regulated and for them to tune into that so very simple it's not like complicated it's just almost like more simplicity yeah and then I also do groups here Mm. in New York which is super fun so we've done a few groups in the local parks and that's really beautiful because it's fun to hear other people's experiences and how they connect but I usually do some form of what I call or what is called nature dialogue And that's, I'll have them bring a question and intention, something they want to know, like something they want to even ask somebody else. What do you think of this? But they're going to go bring it to nature. And so they go off for about, usually this is a random number, but I like it like 11 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) That's a cool number. It's kind of magical. So they go out and they find us. Spot. They're just wherever they're drawn. And then they ask the question or they set the intention three times. And each time they're just listening. Mm. So it's a practice of listening and listening, not just with their ears, but what do they see? Like they ask a question and does a, does any animal come toward them or do they notice anything? So they're, you're, it's a practice of like deeply listening mm-hmm. and observing nature and letting you and nature have a dialogue. And it's really incredible what happens for people in 11 minutes and the synchronicities. And we did a workshop up in, I co-hosted a workshop up in Vermont mm-hmm. and we did an ecotherapy session. We said 11 minutes, you're going to go out on the land. Here is this beautiful land by Lake Champlain. And this one young woman like went on, it sounded like an Alice in Wonderland journey She's And then I was crawling under the tall grasses and I came up and I saw this and I realized this about myself. It was like a portal because when you step out of, so I don't let people bring their cell phones or anything. So mm-hmm. that's in a basket. So it's an experience of stepping out of time and space because I'm holding that container for them. That's really safe to like deep dive with nature and nature wants to connect with us so badly and responsive. So that's what I do. So I do community groups and then I do it as part of my therapy sessions. If people want that, if they're open to it. And then I have about a quarter of my practice is climate aware therapy. So I do have people Mm. come to me specifically for climate distress, anxiety. Often referred to as a climate anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. The term people use is like eco-anxiety and, and we don't have to be like, so PC, but people want to step away from that in the sort of therapy world. because It implies like this, your anxiety about something that's going to happen. And for so many people, it is already their life experience. So eco-distress is more like being, yeah, having in a nice like umbrella term for interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's really interesting. Everything's like evolving so quickly in this world. It's like hard to keep up and totally, but I appreciate learning. Yeah. No, a lot of people come and say I have eco-anxiety and yeah, it could be anxiety. It could be any anger. I just see it as a f- like the stages of grief and people come mm. 
Because we think of Kubler-Ross's stages of grief that she wrote up, like we think of those as for the loss of a person, but it can totally be applied to the loss of our relationship with the earth. So that's what I see with my clients is they're in some form of grief. And I love to reframe that for them so that they really see that they're feeling what they are because they love the earth. So it's nice for people to reconnect with that and realize, oh, I'm so distressed, not because I don't want to be here or I hate everybody or I hate what's happening, but because I love nature and the earth so much. And I love the people around me and I don't want them to be harmed. This podcast is supported by North. North's mission is to provide unique and innovative cannabis products to help bring peace, calm, and healthy alternatives to their consumers. All of their products have been meticulously designed and formulated by co-founders Brandon and Mike to ensure that their customers receive nothing but the highest quality. Currently, they offer three product lines, Vibes, a THC CBD seltzer, gummies, THC gummies, and fusions, a CBD wellness beverage. I'm a huge fan of the THC CBD seltzer. My current favorite flavor, blackberry mango. Use code CARLY15 to get 15% off your order at drinkthenorth.com. That's C-A-R-L-Y-1-5, or hit the link in the show notes. Enjoy drinking the North. This podcast is supported by Parade Underwear. Parade believes that the materials that touch your skin should be as comfortable as possible, wherever life takes you. That's why their styles come in a large range of fabrics, from seamless universal that disappears under clothes to cozy waffles plush comfort that keep you comfy on every occasion. Parade understands that everyone deserves to express themselves however they choose, because we're all unique. And Parade knows that there's no parade without our planet. They strive to make all of their products from reclaimed, recycled, responsible, renewable, or regenerative materials. This is really a win-win-win. I love Parade. I've been wearing them for a while now, and I can't recommend them enough. And of course, we love the mission. Use code consciously.carly for 20% off your first order. That's C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S-L-Y dot C-A-R-L-Y, consciously.carly. Enjoy your new undies. Right. Yeah. Can you say more about nature wants so badly to connect with us and is so responsive? Yeah, I think that, yeah, I guess what I've noticed with especially my ecotherapy sessions out outdoors, these groups or at workshops is like in those 11 minutes that people are, they've opened their heart very intentionally to nature, like so much will happen for them, like animals coming over or like a feather that's left or like all these things that it's like, like obviously nature is communicating with them. It sees the opening and, or in addition, we're seeing things that we did, we don't see because we're so like absorbed in ourselves. So it's both ways, but I just think, yeah. And even in my, just like personal experience, I feel animals when you're open to that, like when you're open to them, they're like, they love it. They feel very safe when you're like, Hey, I am actually, I have space for you. I'm aware of you. And I find the same 
is true. Like personally, when I, I've played around with communicating and channeling with like plants and trees and some of them like don't have not wanted to chat, but some of them, (laughs) or maybe I'm not connecting. Like I don't really know what's happening there, but some of them have been, I felt like this eagerness to Mm. respond. And yeah, I think we've been conditioned to see obviously nature as inanimate and our extractive use, but to really open up to seeing how alive everything is and that we're in relationship and we're just often not communicating with nature. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the personal practices you have, or maybe that you suggest to others to stay connected to nature and to not become climate distressed because it can be easy to dip into that with disaster after disaster. And even the most hopeful of us, I think it's easy to have those moments and maybe that's okay. But what are those practices? I imagine going out in nature, but what Mm. else is what? When you say like disaster after disaster, that definitely Definitely. That definitely makes me think of a practice that I have my clients do, which is that they have to balance the amount of time that they spend reading about climate destruction with reading or watching or whatever the positive things that are happening. So if they, yeah. So if they wake up because some people with climate distress are activists and people who are very or in the climate world or they work in it. So they're like inundated. So if they wake up and let's say they tend to read the New York times for 20 minutes and New York times is mainly going to give you the disasters. So, right. Then they have to spend two minutes Googling or on Instagram or whatever with people, organizations, movements that are doing amazing things and they have to discover them and connect with them and they can some of my clients like reach out and talk to different people and get super inspired. So I, we have a big movement, like a regenerative movement, like people who really want this healing and are doing it. And we just don't hear about each other. Yeah. Because yeah, the media is really skewed right towards stories. And there isn't a story necessarily with these beautiful processes that are happening So it's really important to be aware that's what's happening with the media and not to see the world completely that way. And that's not to like, that's not to be like toxic positivity or to ignore anything. It's just like being realistic that, and also, yeah, there's a lot of destruction, but the people doing amazing, like love can be much stronger than fear. So a few people doing something really beautiful or reconstructing something can also have a strength over that. So that's one thing I work on with people to build hope and resiliency. And by hope, I don't mean optimism. Um, (laughs) So optimism is you think everything's going to be great. So I'm not trying to say that to any of my clients, but hope is choosing to work for the world that you want that you dream of, that you believe is possible to choose, to make those choices regardless of the outcome. So that's hope. Hope is doing it anyway, because it's the good thing, the healthy thing, because you want, because you care, because that's what you know is true in your heart. Even if 
things in quotes go to shit or whatever. So, right. yeah. So I really have them build hope and inspiration and not, I just feel like this system, which includes the media, like the patriarchal capitalistics, like in some ways it works off of people feeling helpless and hopeless, hundred percent broken down, isolated, makes money off of it. Absolutely. That's how it's all like works. So if you allow that to happen, like you're kind, it's really being mindful of I'm going to choose right differently and to find the inspiration and to connect with all the good people who are the people doing all this good work. So really knowing that you're also by acting with hope and resilience, you're also supporting those people and that movement that does tend to the earth. Yeah. I imagine because think fear and insecurities boil down to power or powerlessness. I imagine that it's a big part of your practice is to empower people to feel like they can make a difference at all or again, maybe, because I know that's a big part of it in this world is you get to this point of, am I making change? Am I seeing anything? And you might not be. So I imagine a huge part of your practice is showing people their individual actions can matter, their mental health matters and all of the above. I love your question. That feels so right on that authentic power really comes from what I'm like, comes from that hope too. And Mm -hmm. yeah. And people understanding their authentic power. Cause I think a lot of people are, they're scared of it. And men are now too, cause they men who are self-aware, like they don't want to have power over, but it's no, but there's power with, and your authentic power is in that collaboration, in that love and in that, in those choices that you're making to, to unplug from the dysfunctional system. Like it's so powerful to step into a healthier way. Yeah. And I feel like it's also power is a really big piece in the healing and therapy world, because Mm -hmm. there's a lot in the self-help movement. There can be a lot of also people giving their power away or people who are vulnerable. It's really making sure you have a therapist or a healer who works with you, who's giving you your power, who's not taking any power and you're not giving it away that they are they are supporting you in really being in your power. So shifting out of any kind of codependency on Mm. somebody who's helping you to make sure that you're really like, yeah, engaging and listening to what's true for you, finding your voice and your own healing abilities. So I feel like power is a big one in the healing world, as well as like, how do you then use your healthy power to be active and make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. That's really lovely. So when you were going through grad school and going back to school to become a therapist and kind of seeing, I want to do this and I want to marry these passions, but I'm not seeing it. Was there a time where you were like, maybe it shouldn't exist. Maybe there's a reason it doesn't. Did you doubt this? I don't think I ever doubted that because I knew that they should be together. And I know that part of our dysfunctional system is also like compartmentalizing. And I know that's all a lie and that yeah. it's connected, but yeah, absolutely. I felt like, can I bring this into my practice? 
definitely like, not like, how am I going to be seen? But like, will people take this seriously? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that has definitely come up. But also I've had so many people reach out over the years, people like that just find me through like searching ecotherapy or other therapists who are in training who are like, oh, I'm so inspired or thank you for showing me it's possible. And that has fueled me because I'm like, oh, okay, great. And they're like, yeah. you like, how did you do this? And I'm like, I just had to create, like, I didn't have anyone. There isn't anything that I can plug you into other than just trust yourself and create it. I guess I've just gotten so much positive feedback and people saying, oh, I've thought of that, or that makes sense, or I've wanted that. It feels like it's still niche, but I think it's part of my, I know it's part of my purpose to be a bit of a bridge person. And even when it's super uncomfortable for me, I've just kind of accepted that's part of my role on earth is to be like, Hey, this needs to be here. Like to create something before people are necessarily it's mainstream. So I've just accepted Mm -hmm. that. And because I grew up in a family where we were just so not mainstream and that was pretty at times like alienating and lonely and uncomfortable. I think I'm just like, I'm used to it. (laughs) There's I'm like, I can do this. You're like, this is old news. This is not new shit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I just feel like also it's just, it's not about me. And I see that it wants to come through, but wants Mm. it's important for our like clients to see that there's therapists who are active and who are willing to speak up on these topics, I think is really important too. Since you are forging new territory in this world, in this way, does that ever feel like a future evolution? Is there ever thoughts of wanting to pass this on in a more, I don't know, formal way or provide training in this or? Yeah. First of all, I want to make sure there are other people doing this. There is a kind of world of ecotherapy and, and climate psychology. So I'm definitely not like the only one and I didn't come up with it at all, but it is, yeah, it is super niche. Yeah. I have an interesting relationship with like certifications and trainings. Like I, I see Fair the, enough. Yeah. I see the importance, but I've had a number of like tr- therapists and training who are like, should I do the certificate? And I'm like, I had a great experience doing mine. I met really cool people. I super respect Linda Buzzle who does it and is at the forefront of ecotherapy. But do we always need to do certifications to go out in nature or to like, I don't, I don't think so. Being clear with like for people, people can be really clear with what they want to create and then see if a certification is supportive of that, but not Mm. feel have to do it. But yeah, in terms of evolution, I am in the process of creating what will be a nonprofit. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's really exciting. And I don't know, maybe through that, there will be some kind of ecotherapy, something like at least, I don't know if it will be a formal certificate or maybe a sharing. A training or a workshop. <laughs> yeah. or... But definitely like ecotherapy is so much part of it because it, the topic is around 
just this like personal and ecological regeneration. So much of the experience, if people plug in, will be nature-based and direct activism. Yeah, exactly. Can you say a little bit more about the nonprofit or is it like... Sure. It's not out there yet at all. So I won't say too much, but yeah, it's going to be around an ecological regeneration and regeneration being going beyond sustainability. So sustainability is around in some ways, like I feel like self-care and sustainability, like Mm. they're super awesome, but they're maintaining in a dysfunctional system. And so regeneration is really around like going beyond that to like what brings back life and is life-giving both for our like hearts and souls and for the earth. So yeah, so just not trying to reinvent the wheel at all, but excited to just connect people, collaborate and be part of the regenerative movement that is emerging. That is, it's, I feel like it's like there's little lights of people and organizations and farmers all across the country and the world. And so important for us to all connect and build in our strength and being supportive. So my organization will be just to help support that network that's already in existence. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Thank you. What an exciting resource to look out for. Thank you. Is there anything else that you want to share with listeners that you feel like I maybe haven't given you space to do so? I think you asked such wonderful questions that feels, yeah, really, that feels complete and rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I am excited to learn more and more about work like this because it's going to have to be in tandem with moving forward with the climate crisis. So it is a thing of hope to see people like you doing this work. Thank you. And right back at you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. So it's so cool to see each of us because I know you have a passion with being vegan as well and animals. And it's just, it's so beautiful if each of us can just plug into what we love and feel passionate about. And we each get to be like a thread in this movement. Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe, share with your friends, put it on social media. Don't forget to tag me. If you're on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, leave a review. Reviews and shares help more people to see the podcast and join in on the fun. If you want to make sure to stay up to date on future episodes, follow me at Consciously Carly on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or Pinterest, and head to consciouslycarly.com to sign up for the newsletter. Ready for more Conscious Living content? Check out patreon.com slash consciouslycarly and join the exclusive community over there. And finally, if you're ready to take better care of yourself and the world, let's work together. Click the link in the show notes to head to the website, find out more, and schedule a free discovery call with me. Chat soon. This podcast is sponsored by TerraSeed. TerraSeed is on a mission to disrupt the vitamin industry, empower vegans, and reduce plastic waste in the world. They put everything plant-based people struggle to get in an all-inclusive, vegan, compostable package multivitamin that replenishes them and our planet every single day. Seriously, y'all, win, win, win. Even if you're not vegan, this vitamin will help you get those key nutrients that you need. I am so excited to share a discount code for your first purchase. Use code CARLY50 at checkout to get 50% off. Again, that's 
C-A-R-L-Y-5-0 for 50% off your first purchase at TerraSeed.com. Don't forget this code so they know I sent you. 